much. If you would, turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter 4. As we heard in that song, some of the testimonies of the things that we see in the scriptures to God fulfilling his promises, we'll see some of those same things as we look in his word this morning. i got a question for you. Have any of you ever, and I'm not necessarily just talking about church, just uh, have any of you ever heard somebody say, look, today we're going to do so-and-so, and you immediately thought, hmm, I don't want to do that. Y'all ever woken up and your parents said, listen, today we're going to do so-and-so. Today we're going to get all the weeds out of the garden, or today we're going to wash all the vehicles, and you said, hmm, not excited. Y'all never done that before? Some of y'all don't look like y'all have ever felt that feeling. You may feel that feeling today when we begin looking at our text for today. You're going to say, hmm, of all the Sundays for me to get up and go, Brother Zach's preaching about that today. I pray not, but I also pray that if you initially have that thought, that you'd be patient and that you might find joy in the Word of God this morning. Look with me in Genesis chapter 4 beginning in verse 17. As we just uh, had left off in Genesis, we saw the story of Cain and Abel, how Cain took the life of Abel. We saw God's punishment to Cain for that. We also saw some mercy upon Cain from that. And then picking back up in verse 17, it says, Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mehuzel, and Mehuzel fathered Methushel, and Methushel fathered Lamech, and Lamech took two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. Now, don't say I didn't warn you up front before I started reading this morning's text. I know that this is a text that sometimes we come to and we say, well, we're just going to skip that, right? Brother Zach just preached on Cain and Abel, and surely... The rest of chapter 4 that shows the lineage of Cain and chapter 5 that shows the lineage of Seth, surely Brother Zach's just going to skip over that to the story of Noah. But now you know the answer is Brother Zach's not going to skip over that. And I'll tell you why, because there are some biblical truths, even in these texts, that we may not appreciate, and I pray that we will together appreciate it this morning. We're going to see the first... The main point of this text that we're going to see is going to be the difference in two lines, two lineages. And now I know to some of you this is more exciting than others because some of you have gotten very big into uh, Ancestry, right? Ancestry.com and My23 or whatever. I know that's become very big. And so some of you are already excited about this and some of you are not very excited. But as we see the, the line and lineage of Cain and the line and lineage of Seth, we're going to see why it is that we're given these. Why, is it, why, did that, why did God take up room in the scriptures to put these in here? We're also going to see some observations from these two lines. So there we have at least uh, the majority of what we see of the line of Cain. Now if you would look down with me in verse 25 of Genesis 4 as we see the beginning of the line and lineage of Seth. Verse 25 says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son... And called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. For Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born. And he called his name Enosh. At that time people began to call upon the name 
of the Lord. And so here we see the beginning of the lineage of Seth. I will go ahead and say up front as well, uh, if any of you are Hebrew scholars, and I'm sorry for the butchering of these names because I am not, uh, I will do my best with them. But there are a couple of notable things here that I want to make mention of of verses 25 and 26. Uh, as we see the lineage of Adam going now through Seth, the first one is that Seth is given. It says here that, that Eve sees him, that Eve understands that this new son, Seth, has been given to them to take the place of and or given to them instead of Abel. We see God's provision that, that they had a son who was killed by his brother and that God has now provided for them another son, another son that would be pleasing to the Lord, another son that would walk in the ways that God would have him walk as Abel had before he was killed. And we also see here that the line of Seth appears already to be very different from the line or the family of Cain. We see here in verse 26 that, that Adam has Seth and then Seth has a son called Enosh. And it says, at that time people began to call upon the name of the Lord. So here we see a picture, a beginning of a godly family. We see two very different families that in some way come from the same family, right? Adam and Eve have one son named Cain. Cain murders his brother. Cain lies to God about that. Cain appears to be very selfish and rebellious. And then we see the other son, Cain's brother, Seth, who was born and has a son, and already this family is calling upon the name of the Lord. Already this family is trusting in God. And point one this morning comes from that. Point one Seth's line is sacred and Cain's line is sinful. The line or the lineage or the family of Seth is sacred and the line or lineage or family of Cain is sinful. Now, the, probably the more biblical word instead of sacred would be holy, but it doesn't start with the S. Someone say sacred, so we'd have sacred and sinful. So you might remember those. But what it means, either word, holy or sacred, that Seth's line is chosen. It's set apart. God has chosen it for a specific purpose. He's going to use it for a specific purpose, which we need to understand today. Why is this lineage given to us? Why is this in the Bible? Some of us feel like it's just taking up space. Couldn't we have just skipped from the story of Cain and Abel straight to chapter 6? Why do we even have this? And then some people might think, as you read through chapter 5, it begins to give us the number of years that people lived, and you might answer, well, the reason that we have this lineage is so that we can know the number of years. We can know how old the earth is. We can add up these. We can add up how long this guy lived and how long this guy lived and how long this guy lived, and from that, we can get a timeline, but that's not why it's given to us. I'll go ahead and tell you, these are not exhaustive lists. These don't list all of the people that are born on earth. They list, they list specific people. That's not why this is given. And so if that's not why it's given, why is it? Is it just for curiosity's sake? Again, many of you have gotten into ancestry. And you just you want to know who your ancestors are. That's interesting to you. That's exciting. And so does God give us who's the father of who, who's the father of who, just for our curiosity, just so we'll know? No. I would say that the main point of these lineages, the main point of these family lines is also the main point of the Bible. And I think that starts to clear it up just a little bit. What is the main point of the Bible? Well, I'll show you this in a different way. I want to show you a different lineage, a different line that's 
written in Luke chapter 13. You don't have to turn there, but listen to these two verses. In verse 23 of Luke chapter 13, I'm sorry, I have, I wrote down the wrong text. Well, what I was trying to tell you is in the text that I'm looking for in Luke is that it begins with Jesus. It shows that the lineage of Jesus runs all the way through the lineage of Seth. That if you start, I'm going to look one other place. Ah, Luke chapter 3, not Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, I mean Luke chapter 3. Y'all don't let me say that again or I'm going to be mad. Luke chapter 3, verse 23. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as he was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli, and it continues in verse 24 and verse 25 and verse 26 and goes all the way, and then when you get to verse 38, at the end of that chapter, it says this. The son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. You see, the reason that we're given this lineage in chapters 4 and chapter 5 of Genesis isn't just for our curiosity's sake. It isn't just to give us a biblical timeline. It isn't just to give us numbers. What we see here is Jesus tying the story that we've already seen, the story of Adam and Eve, the story of the garden, the story of Cain and, and Abel. He ties all of that directly to Jesus as he ties all of the Bible directly to Jesus. It's showing us that this lineage, this godly family, the one that God gives to Adam and Eve to replace their godly son Abel, Seth, that this is a family that is going to lead all the way to Jesus. And you can go to Luke chapter 3, and you can follow that lineage all the way from Adam and Seth, and you can follow it all the way, father of father of father of father, all the way until you get to Jesus. And what we see there is the main point of this. The main point is that, that Adam and Eve and the sin that they committed, that in Genesis chapter 3, God promised that he was going to send a redeemer to fix the things that they had broken. That God was going to send one that would strike or bruise or crush or whatever word you want to use, the head of Satan. That he was going to send one that was going to do away with Satan and that was going to do away with sin. And that is fulfilled through the line of Adam. Adam brought sin into the world and through his line, God brings a redeemer into the world. Point two this morning, all of the scriptures point to Christ, and I don't want us to miss that. No matter where you're reading in the scriptures, no matter what you're looking at, no matter how boring it may seem at the moment, all of the scriptures point to Christ, and we see that here even in the family line of Cain and Seth. We see the line of Cain that's about to come to an abrupt end whenever the flood comes, and we see the line of Seth that God is going to preserve and keep holy and sacred and set apart. And it's going to go through all the big names that you know, right? Abraham's going to come from this line. David's going to come through this line. Jesus is going to come through this line. And the main point of this text is showing us how God is going to get from Adam to keep the promise that he made to send the Redeemer. And that Redeemer is going to be Jesus. And so in that, we see in this lineage something that's very important and I pray very useful as we see God's faithfulness to use even the sinful line of Adam to bring about the Redeemer from all sin, Jesus. But there are a couple of other things that I want us to see here. I want you to see 
And I pray that it's very apparent as we look at this, the stark contrast between these two families. There is a very stark contrast between Cain and his actions and the actions of his descendants and the actions and the family and the people in Seth's family. Look back in Genesis chapter 4, verse 19. That's where we left off. It says that in verse, in verse 18, it said that Methusel fathered Lamech. And then in verse 19, it says, And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada and the name of the other Zillah. And then in verse 23, we read more about this Lamech. It says, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. And we see here this picture that not only was Cain sinful in his family, but it appears that he handed down some of those traits. Now, we don't read a lot of details about a lot of people in the family, but about this Lamech, the great-great-great-grandson of Cain, we see that he seems to have taken after his great-great-great-grandfather. We see a man who uh, is the first person in the Bible that's written to be a polygamist. He's the first one to not take very strictly the words that God had given that a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and he changes it to a man shall leave his father and mother and, and hold fast to or cleave to his wives, which is not the way that God gave it. He's the first polygamist, and more than that, he's a murderer. And not only did he murder, he says, I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me, and the best interpretation for us of that young man would be a child or a lad. So we're talking about a man who will murder a man, who will murder a child for wounding him, a very vengeful man. He goes on to, to talk about his vengeance. He said, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. He says, you don't want to mess with me because I'll kill you. And this appears to be the lineage of Cain. We don't read a lot about a lot of people, but the few that we do read, Cain's not doing very well and Lamech's not doing very well. We see this handed down in this family. And then in the lineage of Seth, we see a much different story. We already saw verse 26 says to Seth was a son born, and his name was called Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And then if you read down through chapter 5, you'll read about several people, but one that, a name that some of you may recognize is Enoch. And if you read in Genesis chapter 5, and if you read in Hebrews chapter 11, we read that Enoch walked with God. It says that Enoch was commended as being pleasing to God. So pleasing that God didn't even allow Enoch to see death. But God just simply took Enoch. Just took him home. He came and got him and took him home. He didn't even let him taste death. Verse 24 of Genesis 5 says, Enoch walked with God and he was not. For God took him. And Hebrews 11 spells that out for us. That he was so pleasing to God that God didn't even want him to have to see death and we see that being one of the, the descendants of Seth we see this what can happen whenever the leader of a family loves the Lord and follows the Lord we see how that can be handed down and then it continues there's another one in this line and his name is Lamech but he's a different Lamech Right There was a Lamech in Cain's line, and he's sinful, and he's vengeful, and he's a murderer, and he's a polygamist. And then we see a different Lamech here. In verse 25, we're introduced to this Lamech, and he has a son, and he desires that his son would be used to bring relief from the curse. Lamech appears to us as one 
who remembers the words of God and the teachings of God, who has been told, obviously, by his ancestors, by his parents and grandparents, he's been told that God is going to send a redeemer to break the curse. And so he prays and, and prophesies that his son would be the one that would bring relief. And his son, I think you have heard of, his name is Noah. And we're told that Noah becomes an heir of righteousness because of his faith. And we see such a stark contrast in these two families. Cain, who murders and then lies to God about murdering, and Lamech, who murders and brags about his murderous ideas and his vengefulness that he takes, who takes two wives and doesn't care what God says. And point three this morning is this. We can pass down more than genetics. And for parents and grandparents that are here this morning, I pray that you hear that. I pray that you see that in this text, that you are going to pass down more to your children than eye color and hair color and height. You're going to pass down more to them than just work ethic. You are going to pass down to them things that are going to stick with them, and we see a case study of that in these two families. We see a family that comes from a sinful, murderer, murdering, vengeful person, Cain, and we see that that is passed down in the other generations. And then we see a family that loves God and trusts God and calls upon the name of the God, and, and then we see that generation after generation after generation, it appears that that family, that those children, that those grandchildren do the same thing. And the things that you do and the way that you live your life and the way that you relate to God and the way that you talk about God and the way that you view the scriptures of God are probably things that are going to be passed down to your children as well. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1, we read this. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you were going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God you and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. And then in verse 4 it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see a teaching that ties directly to what we just saw take place in Genesis chapter 4 and 5. And that is that if you will keep the commandments of the Lord and if you will love the commandments of the Lord and you will follow the commandments of the Lord and you will teach them to your children, then you and your son and your son's son will fear the Lord your God. And it continued in verse 2 and said, and that all the days of your life may be long, you and your son and your son's son. Now it's not a promise, but it is telling you. It's like the book of Proverbs. It's telling you the most likely scenario. The most likely thing to happen is that if you love God and you follow God's commandments and you love his word and you speak highly of his word and you teach your children well about God, that they will fear God and that they will love God and that they will love his word too. But if you do not, then what you are teaching your children, if you don't care about church, 
If you don't care about reading the Bible, if you don't care about prayer, if you show that these are not priorities, then it's very likely that your children will not either. Look at Cain and look at Seth. Where does Enoch come from? The line of Seth. Where does Noah come from? The line of Seth. Why? I believe it's because Seth loved the Lord and taught his family to love the Lord. We have to be serious as parents and grandparents about the things that God has called us to do. We have to teach it with our words. It says talk about it. When you're going, when you're coming, when you're sitting around the house, talk about the things of God. It says that we have to do those things, that we should follow, because we're teaching not only with our words, but we're teaching with our actions. I've told you all this example before, but I used to have an uncle who was a chain smoker. And between puffs of his cigarette, he would tell us, Boys, y'all shouldn't ever smoke. This is terrible for you. And it didn't teach us a whole lot. And if you say, you need to go to church, and you need to read your Bible, and you need to pray, and they never see you do it, you're probably not teaching a whole lot. I pray that we as parents and grandparents take seriously the fact that we are passing down to our children priorities and lifestyle and habits and worldview that relate to the Lord God that we follow. There's one other thing that I do want you to see here, though. I would usually teach this on Wednesday night, but we're not having Wednesday night meetings this week, so I'll try to be brief here, but there's one other thing that I do see. It's not the main point of this text, but it's a sub-point that I see in this text, and I think it really is fitting because I just said that, and some of you are thinking, well, I'm the way I am because my parents aren't very good parents, and so now I have a crutch. I have something that I can lean on. My parents don't do right, so nobody's going to expect me to do right. And that's what some of you are thinking. But I want you to see, look back with me in Genesis chapter 4. We've got Lamech. We've got sinful Lamech. We've got polygamous Lamech. We've got Lamech who uh, is a murderer and who is vengeful. And listen to what it says about his children. Beginning in verse 20, it says, Ada, one of his wives, bore Jabel. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. And that doesn't sound like a lot to you, maybe. But he just it lists four of the children of Lamech. Now, you tell me that there's a man who is a murderer, who will kill a kid, who will kill an adult, who will kill anybody that crosses him. Uh, the first person to be a polygamist. You tell me that there's that guy, and you say, what do you think his kids are like? And most of us are going to say they're probably going to be delinquents, right? That's what they're raised in. That's what they've seen. That's probably what's going to happen. And I'll be, be very honest here. I do not know about the spiritual state of Lamech's children. It doesn't talk about how they're related to God. But I can tell you that the words that are used to describe them here in the Hebrew are very strong. They are very well spoken of. And they're the only people in the lineage of Cain that are spoken of well. But we see one of them who is the father of of having livestock, a huge, huge thing for civilization in that day and time. And one of them is the father, the inventor of music, of stringed instruments, and, uh, and of wind instruments. One is, is a forger of all instruments that they needed in those days and time. And then there's Nama, the sister, the only girl that I see listed by name in these chapters. And Nama, her name literally means pleasant or graceful or good. And those are the descendants, those are the children of this sinful, vengeful, murderous man, Lamech. And in that, 
I see this reflection, I see this idea that even if your parents are not good parents, even if your grandparents and your parents and your great-grandparents and your aunts and uncles are people that you do not want to be like, are people that do not contribute to society, who do not go to church, who do not love the Lord, it does not mean that that is who you have to be. Even here in the descendants of Lamech, we see very helpful, useful children. One whose name literally means pleasant and good, which is not what you would expect to come from a man like Lamech. The great, 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 great grandchildren of Cain. And if you're here today, and your dad and your grandfather and your great-grandfather are all alcoholics, it does not mean that you have to be an alcoholic. If you are here today, and your mom has cheated on her husband time and time and time again, it does not mean that that's the, the footsteps that you have to follow. If you're here and you have people in your family that are addicted to uh, pills or this or that or to gambling, or if you're here today and everybody in your family that you've ever known has always gotten divorced and never stayed married, it does not mean that that is the path that you have to follow. That's not who you have to be. The last point for this morning is this. You are not who your family is. Just because that's who they are does not mean that that is who you have to be because in Ephesians chapter 5, we are told this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Brothers and sisters, you may not have a good example of a father here on earth, but there is a way that you can have a perfect father. God sent Jesus. He sent the Redeemer who came through this line of Seth to undo all that Adam and Eve's sin brought into this world. And even though your parents may not be good parents and you may not think of them as very good people, you can have a father who will show you exactly what you should do, who will teach you how to love and walk in love, who will call you his beloved children. And how is it that you can break that chain? How is it that you can break the bonds of the things that your family has passed down to you? It's only through the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus came and lived a perfect life so that you don't have to be who your parents are. Jesus came and lived a perfect life so that you don't have to be your past mistakes. Even if you've started on that road and you've done those things, we are all sinful, and we can all be set free from our sins because of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross in our place, paying the penalty for our sins so that we could be set free from them, so that we could be free of that guilt, so that we could be free of the slavery that sin brings into our lives. It's only available to you through faith, but it's available to you if you would come and you would respond to him. Because I will end with this. I want you to realize that in the end, good or bad, maybe you're here today and you have a good family. Your family has loved the Lord. Your family's more like the lineage of Seth. And you're here today, and that's the example that you've been given, and that's who they are, and they've been Sunday school teachers and deacons and all these things for years and years. You're still not who your family is automatically. You know that whenever you get to the point of being judged by God, whether you die or he returns, he's not going to say, tell me about your parents. Good or bad, 
If you say, God, listen, my parents were alcoholics. God, my parents went and did this every weekend. He's not going to say, well, you know what? You get a free pass. Come in. He's going to ask about your faith in Jesus Christ. If you get there and say, well, listen, I've got good parents. They're deacons and Sunday school teachers. My dad was a pastor. He's not going to say you get a free pass. Come in. He's going to ask about your faith. Brothers and sisters, we see a lot about lineage in these chapters and this lineage points to Jesus Christ but I would remind you today that every one of us will be judged by our faith if we have responded if we have given our lives over to Jesus Christ if you've never done that I pray that you would be willing to do that today I pray that you understand the importance of that today I want to invite you to stand this morning and we're going to prepare for a time of response and invitation Maybe you're here today and you're a parent or a grandparent and you realize that you have not taught your children the things that you should have. This would be a wonderful opportunity for you to respond, to ask God to help you to be that type of parent. Maybe you're here today and you're the type of child who hasn't had that example. Today would be a wonderful opportunity for you to ask God to help you to break free from the things that your family has done for years and years. Maybe you're here today and you just realize that you have been skipping over certain parts of God's word because you didn't think they were important and today you've been reminded that all of God's word is important and all scripture points us to Christ I don't know what the Lord's calling you to do but this morning as we have our time of response as we sing as we pray I'm going to ask that you would do wherever the Lord leads you as brother Shane and praise team lead us in the hymn of invitation